Hi, I'm Eddie. And I'm David. And welcome to From the Spot. That's D, I'm E, and our first subject today is LVG. What's up, David? How are you doing? I am doing particularly well, Eddie. How's uh, everything over on your side of the valley? I'm pretty good. You know, Barca won 4 nil. Boca won one nil. Both classicos were Ws. Um, and life is pretty good, you know, outside of work. But that's neither here nor there. What about you, David? How's the other side of the valley? Uh, a lot of the same. Yeah, definitely living life. Lots of footy in this life. And I don't know about you, Eddie, but how would you feel if we just jump right into that footy? Let's do it. All right. Well, how about we start in probably our second favorite event in human history, which is the upcoming Qatar World Cup. Uh, So everybody's uh, favorite Dutchman, Louis van Gaal, has been super open about his opinion on the World Cup lately. Uh, If you know anything about LVG, you'll know that he is definitely down to keep it real. Um, So there's no question about that. Uh, I think based on this quote, and here, let, let me just give you the quote. He called the World Cup in Qatar ridiculous and, quote, about money and commercial interests. He also labeled um, FIFA's, uh, well, what FIFA called developing football there um, as really the only appropriate label, which is bullshit. Um, (laughs) So I think it's fair to say that FTS is down with the LVG. Yeah, you know me um eddie what are your initial thoughts um well first and foremost uh like david said fts is done with lvg um he's right i mean there's no two ways about it but david he is so lucky that the netherlands are through to the world cup because if they were in the wefa playoffs which we'll dive into a little bit later. Um, Randomly, the Netherlands would probably lose uh, that first playoff game. I'm just saying. Um, But now watch the Dutch get placed in the group of death when the draw comes out. But, I mean, he's right. Like, give me one legitimate reason that the World Cup should be in Qatar, David. One. Uh, I can't legit think of one, to be honest. Uh, besides, they won the bid, right? Like, that's the only thing that gave them the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay, so here's something that I kind of want to touch on, um, which I'm not sure what, which way I would take this conversation. So the Netherlands, they've qualified for the World Cup, right? So we know they're going. There's no indication that they're going to boycott. So let's just already put that out there, plain and simple, as much shit as they're talking. They're not exactly putting their money where their mouth is. So let's take that with a grain of salt. Something they have done, though, which I'll give them full, full credit for, is that they've made a committee 
specifically dedicated to condemning the human rights violations and additional violations in Qatar, right? So they're putting everything on blast, using the football as a way to advertise all that and bringing in more awareness, which in a way dampens the sports washing part of the World Cup. For this reason, um, which I, I'm not sure if I mentioned, LBG is part of this committee. And for this reason, and for him being so openly against corruption and to steal from LVG, uh, being against bullshit, uh, FIFA refused to offer him any kind of committee roles, any kind of ambassador roles, even with his experience. Do you think LVG is on with to something or is this more of conspiracy Van Hal? Uh, David, uh... Uh, Louis Van Gaal is definitely onto something which in like seven weeks, people, we ourselves here at FTS will be taking a deep dive, like a really deep dive into the sports washing bullshit. But so it's definitely not a conspiracy. Uh, the only conspiracy is that Qatar won the bid by bribing people. Um, and that's just facts. Um, I applaud LVG, David, but like you said, they're definitely not putting their money, um, where their mouth is. It's not 1978 where, um, uh, their best player, uh, protested the World Cup in Argentina by not showing up. So it's not like they're going to do that. They can't afford to do that especially because they missed out on Russia 2018 and France 2016 for the Euros, I believe. So this will be uh, their first World Cup back since missing 2018. So uh, as much as I would applaud them for protesting and boycotting, I can I can see why um, um, they're not going to. Fair enough. And let's be real, guys. Uh, the World Cup is a money cow. So to realistically say, hey, all these teams should boycott, that's not going to happen. All the football associations need the money. Uh, you know, even if we don't want to fully really give them the benefit of the doubt but some of these players actually do need the world cup bonus like not everybody is making millions and millions of dollars a la cristiano ronaldo uh, we also have to remember of all the french players and all the smaller countries that get this bonus and people need to eat so it's not going to get boycotted it's something we are going to have to live with but it is i think um and i'm hoping eddie will back me on this I do think it is our duty to leave the Qatar World Cup with a tattered reputation, and it'll always be remembered with a black eye. Hopefully, yes, absolutely. Um, look, um, like personally, um, I enjoyed South Africa. I enjoyed Brazil, and Russia was pretty good too. So, but the the things these countries had to go through to win the bid laws had to be changed uh once the tournament started in south africa these two dudes were thrown in jail because they stole a photographer's camera and 
they got sentenced to 10 years like the very next day without a trial. So FIFA comes into these countries and does these things to give them the World Cup, but it really ends up messing up countries. And like I said, we'll get into it in about two months. Don't even worry about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no. Uh, the, the one thing Qatar should be remembered for after the Qatar World Cup is over is that Qatar never should have had the World Cup. Absolutely. Uh, we should definitely make that a point whenever Qatar comes up. But uh, let's go from a manager that I'm quite fond of. Like, uh, I know there's some United fans out there that definitely don't look at Louis van Gaal the way that I do. And it's okay. Because I know for sure us United fans look at Frank Lampard as a clown. Um, Eddie... Why don't you lead us into this? Uh, Everton just collapsing before our eyes under uh, Frank Lampard. Uh, Okay. So um, not at the weekend, but in their last Premier League match versus Newcastle, they won 1-0. And obviously they needed the three points. And then uh, this past weekend... uh, they had an FA Cup quarterfinal. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, England has two cups, the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup. The FA Cup is the cup with all the history to it. Um, you know, teams from all sorts of divisions can compete in the FA Cup. So from the semifinals on, so the next round, um, and the final are played at England's National Stadium in Wembley. So uh, the semifinals and the finals are uh, these big, huge things in the FA Cup. Well, um, Everton was uh, facing Crystal Palace. On paper, these two clubs should be pretty even. Um, Crystal Palace banked Everton 4-0 in his post-match interview. Uh, Frank Lampard said these ridiculous things like his players like bollocks and that Crystal Palace wasn't even that good. Um, we just kind of let it slip. Uh, David, do you agree with Frank Lampard's assessment of his uh, team's performance versus Palace? So. Oh. Something I'm not going to agree with that I just want to put up there at the top of the segment is I don't agree with him going to the media saying um, my team doesn't have the bollocks, um, especially when he's been in charge since the end of January. So if by now you can't instill confidence and you can't instill uh, bravery into your players, uh, guess what, Frankie? You're the problem. Something that I do think is somewhat correct, and I'll, I'll explain once I give the quote, is the part where he said, there is only so much you can keep trying to butter someone up to give them confidence. So I somewhat agree with that. I do think you could only give players so much slack and leeway and you know hand-holding before you're like, look, I can't do this anymore. But the right way is not by saying, hey, you don't have the balls to do this, uh, just drop them. You know, you, you have a squad. You're not stuck with these 11 to 14 players all the time, right? Like you you have this whole squad. 
you knew who the players were coming in, uh, got a couple of reinforcements in January, and you still feel comfortable taking the job and leading this team. So I feel a lot of this is Frank Lampard trying to save face. Um, Everton do have a release clause in their back pocket, according to reports. Eddie, do you think they're going to pull the trigger on Frank Lampard and just start fresh next season? They, they have to. Look, David, um, originally my spot kick was going to be um, that whether Everton stay up or go down, that uh, Frank Lampard would be the first manager fired next season. But now that I hear about this mysterious release clause, they they have to let him go after the 38th game. Um, regardless, whether Everton stay up or go down, just just cut bait. It look, um, David, you and I talked about this uh, a little bit uh, yesterday, but this whole approach of I'm gonna go to the media and talk shit about my players. In my view, Mourinho could do this because he's one shit at the top level. Although it's been a while since, you know, he's won a league or he's won the Champions League. <laughs> like, um, if you don't think Mourinho is a good manager, you're stupid and he should be respected. Um, Thomas Tuchel has done this a little bit this season with Chelsea, but he's the reigning defending uh, European and Club World Cup champion, so he can do it, but for a manager who um, failed to bring Darby up, and as soon as he left Chelsea, Tuchel made them European champions, that's not opinion, that's fact. Um, So managers who win shit could do shit like this, even though they shouldn't in my opinion, but they can get away with it. But for someone like Frank, who doesn't have the resume that they do, um, do this shit in the locker room. Do not do this in front of a camera at all. Uh, let me let me ask you this. Uh, well, actually, let me take a spot kick and say... Okay. Everton, the right thing for Everton to have had done was ignore Frank Lampard and go all out on Wayne Rooney. Oh, no, I'm sorry, David. I cannot allow that. And, and what? Here's why. And here's why. Do, do, do I think that Rooney is probably a better manager? Mm, probably. I can I can tell you that Wayne is probably a... Uh, a better motivator of players. I feel like if, if Wayne were there, uh, his players would at least be motivated. But uh, for the position that Everton find themselves in, you needed a manager with relegation experience. Um, I'm Honestly, I'm not trying to take the piss, but it should have been someone with like Big Sam or like... Um, uh, what's his name? He's Croatian. He used to be uh, Bilic? Yes, Lavin Bilic. Thank you. Like um, a manager who has managed at, at the top level and been in relegation battles and like 
knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? Frank, like, failed at Chelsea, failed at Derby. And look, I applaud him for believing in himself and being like, I can do this. You know what I mean? And look, I I don't want to pile on Frank. He does have a point, and you have a point as well. You can only be like, you can do this so much before your players do have to take uh, accountability, but let's just look at his squad. You have Richarlison. You have reinforcements such as Deli Ali and Donny Vandenbeek. Um, Awobi, who uh, isn't bad, but isn't great. But you, you do have players that should be able to to give you effort for 90 minutes. And and if if Everton players aren't responding to you, um, that's your fault. You know what I mean? Absolute, like absolutely. Like losing is okay. Every team loses. Even bad teams lose, David. So Everton is a bad team. So yeah, they're gonna lose some games. But you were brought in specifically to save the season, quote unquote, and to motivate them to be better. You know what I mean? And the fact that you haven't even done that part speaks more about you than it does them. You know what I mean? I have so fucking lutely. I can't help but agree. Um, I mean, I do, I really do wish you would have agreed with the Wayne Rooney part. And I mean, th- this guy is somebody who invested his own money to try to keep Derby alive um, and really knows how to motivate players. So uh, I personally feel he can make a difference. Uh, hey, I mean, David, if, yeah. Do, do you mind if I take my spot kick right now? <laughs> Absolutely not, man. If we're going to have a penalty shootout, why not? Okay, David, look, for this question to work, you need to forget about Potch. You need to forget about Wayne. You need to forget about anybody linked with um, the Manchester United job, okay? Uh, Pretend you don't have any options except for these two. So if these were the last two managers in the world, who would you rather have? Would it be Frank or would it be Stevie G? And why is it Stevie G, David? Because I personally hate Frank Lampard. Does that but, count? Does that count as a reason? Yeah. But, <laughs> okay, David, give me give me a real answer. Like okay, it, so uh, all right, I'll give you I'll give you a legit answer. Uh, because I've actually I've thought about this not specifically uh Stevie G. Um Excuse me, but I've thought about I've thought about, you know, if I can pick between any other manager and Frank Lampard and why. Um, So let me just let me specifically start with Frank Lampard. So I personally didn't find him that convincing at Derby. Uh, I feel he kind of overachieved with the players that he had. And it showed. Right. Like, I mean, obviously he got results. Um. Him taking the Bielsa spying thing personal for me, even at the time, 
was super interesting because I never really thought, oh, Frank Lampard is a tactical genius. So I didn't really think Bielsa would get much out from his training. But um, in terms of, and I'll use Stevie G just because you brought him up. I would prefer Stevie G, uh, even though he's a legend of the enemy Liverpool. But it's because he cut his teeth with Rangers. Like he earned something winning with Rangers and a bunch of nobodies versus people, in particular Chelsea fans, trying to give Frank Lampard some kind of credit for Chelsea's growth when Chelsea's growth is a product of Chelsea's growth. Uh, It would have happened with or without Frank Lampard. So I would take Stevie G with his experience and his confidence going in. I mean, if you would tell me most managers are going to go to Rangers and win the league with their shitty finances and compared to Celtic, I wouldn't believe you for a second. It would take one of the most elite managers for me to take that bet straight away. And the fact that Steven Gerrard did it when I would have bet 10 times against him is super impressive by itself. Um, The Scottish Premier League is not impressive because it's super competitive, but it's impressive when you could kill the only competitive team in it. Um, True. Does that that kind of help? Yeah. Hey, David, so uh, real quick, before we get off Everton. Okay, so speaking of managers that maybe uh, cut their teeth, right? Uh, And since we're... We're talking about legends of when we were, you know, young kids to teenagers. Um, I don't know if he's there currently, but John Terry was an assistant at Aston Villa for a long time. What if Everton fires um, Frank Lampard and then gives uh, John Terry a shot? I mean... At the very least, you know, a John Terry team would be able to defend, or at least he would hope so. Do you think maybe Everton maybe do that? I don't know, man. I still, if we're going to talk about, oh, let's bring in, you know, this random legend that should somehow be able to fix things, I still think Wayne Rooney would be the better option than uh, John Terry. Um, I, I I think with I think with either of those, um, the players would at least be motivated at at, at the very fucking least. You know what I mean? Definitely. At least, yeah. At least that. At least he'll get somebody something of a motivation. But as much as I want to shit on Everton this whole time, Eddie, um, let's talk about the Qatar ridiculous bullshit cup qualifying. Oh, okay. So in case you haven't been following us or for whatever reason you decided to skip to this part of the podcast, uh, we're referring to the World Cup in Qatar. There's still a lot of qualifying to get done. Uh, Let's start in Europe since we were talking about Everton, a little E with UEFA, uh, even though it doesn't start with E. But as we already know, Ukraine and Scotland got postponed. Uh, We'll find out what happens between that later on. But we definitely have some good games coming up. Uh, Turkey taking on Portugal, Austria versus Wales, Sweden uh, trying to get past the Czech Republic, 
And last but definitely not least, Italy will face North Macedonia. Eddie, what are you excited about? Honestly, dude, honestly, um, all, all these games are, are good. Um, like Sweden, Czech Republic could be a banger. Obviously, we, we all need Portugal to get through. No disrespect to Turkey, but this is going to be Ronaldo's last World Cup, so we need him to get through. Um, as you guys know, if you guys have been following David, myself, or this podcast uh, for any period of time, we are huge Gareth Bale fanboys. So come on, Wales. And then, honestly, dude... I know Italy are like the reigning defending uh, Euro champion. I think Macedonia could fucking do it. Come on, Northern Macedonia. Fucking do this shit for the banter. What about you, David? Well, speaking about banter, um, before so I, I would love if Macedonia knocked out Italy. Um, well... <laughs> What do you feel about fans taking over the who's going to win vote from Northern Macedonia? And it's like right now, I think it's like 70 something percent of fans are voting that Northern Macedonia is going to knock Italy out. Should we believe with them? Dude, um, where, where, where can I vote? I will, I will personally add my vote to the Northern Macedonia. Tell me where I have to go, David. I'm not even sure, to be honest with you. I just saw the screenshot. I think it might be Google. Um, uh, but it was amazing to see. Uh, but anyway, um, say all the expected teams go through. If Portugal, if it is Portugal and Italy at the end, who do you have the most confidence in being able to take the actual win? Um, CR seven. Look, he's a he's a big game player, and if Portugal get through, it it wouldn't ma- matter if it was um Northern Macedonia or Italy. Uh, as long as they get past Turkey, I'm pers- I'm personally already putting Portugal in Qatar. It does not matter to me. Uh, Portugal will get through either way as long as they get past Turkey. Okay, fair enough. Um, so let's say, you know, CR7 made it. Who are we more excited about, CR7 or Gareth Bell? Oh, definitely Gareth. Uh, because, look, at the end of the day, the only dude Gareth has with them is... Aaron Ramsey <laughs> and, and uh, CR7 has guys like our boy Joe Felix, uh, Bernardo Silva, and Renato Sanchez. So he has a lot of help. And then you look around Wales and it's like, oh, fuck, we just have Aaron Ramsey. So come on, Wales. Uh, sorry, Austria. Um, I know you guys are a good country, but. Uh, uh, come on, Wales, just get through. You know, we can only hope, Eddie. That's all we can do is just hope, my brother. So, let's talk a little bit about uh, 
Con my ball before we really get to the nitty gritty here. Uh, Chile right now, not looking very promising to qualify for the World Cup. They definitely need to win uh, this upcoming break. Do you think Chile is going to be able to edge through or will Peru be able to continue their current form and make it to a World Cup? Um, look, uh, I love Chile, C-H-E-L-A, uh, Viva Chile, uh, but I, I can't see them getting through. I have to back Peru and, and, and or Colombia to, 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 to clinch that final spot. Um, so sorry, Chile, I feel like you'll probably miss out on 22 and 26. So Chile, we will see you at wherever the 2030 World Cup is. Now watch, just because I said that, they're going to qualify for both of them. (laughs) Yeah, dude, I think you might have just jinxed it there. But it's okay. Um, It's looking more and more likely Colombia is going to miss out. Um, Are we surprised, sad? Do we feel anything about that, Eddie? I mean, I I do over here. Well, look, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Juan Cuadrado. I, I love the way he plays. I love his float, his afro. I love that when his name translates to English, it's literally John Square. So I love Juan Cuadrado. So I'm, I'm very, very sad that Colombia will probably miss out, but I'm hoping they don't. Um, uh, what about you, David? Uh, do you think Colombia could get through, or are you backing Peru or Chile? Uh, I kind of want Peru to do it. Uh, I want them to make it just really more out of greed than anything else. They're a bit of a smaller footballing nation. Uh, I always go for the underdog, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So I really hope they make it. Um, let's Let's board one more plane here, Eddie. Uh, let's talk about CONCACAF. Uh, everybody's somewhat annoying cousin, but we kind of like when they're around. <laughs> so me, basically. Something <laughs> like that. Um, so the Con- CONCACAF has some big games coming up. The um, you know Mexico versus USA is, is going to be a banger, let's be honest. Um, Costa Rica is going to be a tricky one for Canada, who's currently leading uh, the qualifying. Jamaica's put in a pretty interesting together who's trying to get a result against El Salvador. Eddie, which CONCACAF tie, and you know what? I'm going to exclude USA versus Mexico just to try to make it a challenge, but which CONCACAF tie um, would have you most excited? Okay, so I so I can't choose... Uh, Mexico, USA, correct? Correct. Okay, so out of the out of tomorrow's schedule, then let me let me just take a quick look. Um, hold on one second, my computer is lagging here. Um, I know that uh, Panama need a lot of help, so. I would then uh, be rooting for Panama uh, to beat Honduras uh, tomorrow at 
11.05 Eastern, 8.05 Pacific. I think that would be a good game to watch. Uh, Panama need the points, especially because their second game uh, is against the U.S. in Orlando on Sunday. And so if Panama get all three points against Honduras, they're giving themselves a chance, I believe. Am I correct, David? Uh, yeah, I'm with you. And it would make an exciting tie, um, just based very specifically on those facts. Um, so I'll definitely give you that. But let's touch a little bit on Mexico versus USA, Eddie. So the U.S. is going to play Mexico in Mexico at the Estadio Azteca. Um, does it really seem like there's a lot of optimism going in uh, from the USA experts kind of implying that they need to take points from games elsewhere rather than just going for the throat here, going for the jugular. Uh, Eddie, are we getting prepared to see an intimidated uh, USA side? Um, uh, no, and I don't think they'll be intimidated because they know what's at stake. Um, basically, guys, doing the math, quote-unquote, the only way the U.S. can consider themselves safe is by getting five points. So, historically, at El Estadio Azteca and in San Jose, Costa Rica, which is the last game of the qualifying cycle, the U.S. do not get points. Like, the last time the U.S. Uh, took three points away at Costa Rica uh, in qualifying, I believe, was for France 1998. At the time, yeah. I was seven going on eight, and I'm 31 now. So it's it's been a while. So the U.S. really needs to beat Panama and Orlando and hope that they can get two ties. I'm going to be honest, no Sergio Des. Um, Horvath is hurt, Turner is hurt, so that just leaves uh, the Manchester City backup goalie. What's his name? Uh, is it Zach Steffen? Zach Steffen, thank you. Uh, in goal, um, Aronson is hurt, my boy Weston McKinney is hurt. Now, the only thing going in the U.S.'s favor is that even though they're tied on points, uh, ask any Mexico fan, they, they don't really instill confidence right now. So I'm going to go ahead and say that the U.S. Uh, is going to drop three points at Mexico, beat Panama, and then probably take a point against Costa Rica. So that'll give them four of the necessary five points to be safe. And then they'll just need um, Mexico to drop points elsewhere to fully punch their ticket to Qatar. But David, how do you see it? Do you, do you think the the dominance at Azteca and the dominant, dominance in Costa Rica by, by the home side to continue versus the, the U.S. or no? Mm. I don't know. I mean, I want to say yes, just to give them my support. Um, I 
like I said, I like the underdog. Um, and also, one thing that I really love um, is when the USA gets humbled because there's no real in-between with the USA and the USA fans. And I do word it that way because I am, first and foremost, a Guatemala fan internationally. So no, it's not like I root for the USA. Um, it's just that by default, I wouldn't have a team to root at a World Cup if I was strictly just for Guatemala. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I do want to see the upset. Right. Like, so I do want to see the upset. I mean, there's no in between with the U.S. Like I was starting to touch base on. It's either doom and gloom. Like, oh, we're never going to win anything. Or they're super confident. Like, oh, we're going to dominate every team on CONCACAF and go on a great run at the World Cup. Um, they're never humbled. They're never thinking of it as, hey, let's look at this realistically. Um, which, you know, you can say you would rather be overly optimistic than pessimistic. But I'm a realist. Um, so if we can humble them every once in a while, that's what my first wish would be. Even over some kind of entertaining result to be honest that's fair so uh you know what david for just just to put shit on wax because you know i like to put predictions on on, on wax okay right i'm gonna give you the scores to the the last three games for the u.s um, I will say a 2-1 loss to Mexico at Estadio Azteca. I feel dirty just saying that. Um, but then they'll come home and beat the crap out of Panama 3-1. And then they will um, get a 1-1 draw in Costa Rica and uh, punch their ticket to a World Cup, maybe in third place. But I can't. I can't really see them falling to fourth or falling out of contention. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't think they're gonna fall out of contention. And in, in all seriousness and all fairness to the U.S., uh, I'm not going to say that they're too big to fail because that's obviously that's wrong, and we should never uh, say that. Um, well, what I will say though is super underrated worldwide in my opinion and the tr true dark horse of CONCACAF is definitely Canada um, I think it's easy to agree with me because they're in first place right now but just based on how they've built the squad and the program up to today do you think Eddie that in the next say two World Cup cycles Canada will be a, not just a contender for CONCACAF, but one of the teams to beat of CONCACAF? Look, David, uh, thank you so much for bringing this up. Look, okay, yeah, Canada are in first place. Canada are in first place with um, Alfonso Davies missing significant time, missing their best player. So um, the fact that Canada are this good without their best guy, props to them. Honestly, David, I'm not even going to wait for the groups to come out. I'm going to say it right now. In Qatar this winter, Canada will make a World Cup quarterfinal. Wow. 
I, I, I don't care what group they come out of. Put him in the group of death. Put him up against Brazil in the round of sixteen. Doesn't matter. Canada to get to a quarterfinal. You know why? Because if Christian Pulisic is the LeBron James of soccer, goddamn it, Alfonso Davies is the Wayne Gretzky of soccer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he definitely deserves kudos, man. Like all of them do. Um, they they are, you know, one of the teams to be quarterfinal. It's definitely a uh, brave prediction there, Eddie. I'm gonna give you that. Yeah. Um, on wax, baby, on wax. Yeah, we have it on record, man. There's no taking it back. I can't deny it now. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about some. Well, I guess. It depends of where in Spain you are, but let's talk about either one of the most happiest moments of the weekend or the absolute worst church day of so far of 2022. El Clásico. Real Madrid being destroyed at home, dressing for their own funeral, um, losing zero goals to four to visiting Barcelona. Pierre America Bameyang running rampant with a, a goal from Ronald Araujo and Ferran Torres wrapping it up. You're a resident Barcelona fan here, Eddie. Give us your, your take. David, before I do that, tell the people what my pregame prediction was. Tell them. Tell them. Uh, were you hoping for a draw, right? No, I said we're probably going to lose 2-1. But I, I will take a draw. Right. That's yeah, you're right. You were expecting a close still. Yeah. So the the fact that it was four nil, dude. And I just I, I remember Madrid having two early chances and then nothing else really. But David, um do you think that maybe especially that first chance? that Madrid blew uh, if that was Benzema do you think that's one note to Madrid or do you think Barca just had a really good day uh I think it would have been put away based on his current form and confidence but at the same time yeah Barca were just on on a whole another level um I didn't expect for nil I mean, if they were going to win, I still expected it to be kind of close. But the fact that they were blown away, man, like, I still don't know what to think of it. I mean, what I do know is the fact that uh, Ancelotti started with no striker. You know, Luka Modric, super confused with Tony Cruz. Um, it was a shit show, confusing from beginning to end for the players and the fans. Um are we seeing the beginning to the end of Carlo Ancelotti uh, second time around at uh, Real Madrid? Look, um, I, I understand that losing uh, El Clásico means a lot, especially losing it 4-0. So I, I do. But look, they're going to win the league. They beat PSG, like, PSG, Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, Verratti, uh, Donnarumma, um, 
you know, so it, it's not like it's not like this Real Madrid team is is horrible. They just had a bad day. Unfortunately for them, it was to their biggest rival. Um, David, do you think that Gareth Bale could have made a difference? I do. So Gareth Bale knows how to play in the center forward position. Let's be real. Um, I mean, I kind of shared with you the rumor that Gareth Bale supposedly isn't being trusted due to uh, not being committed to the cause. But I don't know about all that. I would have absolutely loved to have seen him play through the center. He's got goals in him. It's not like you're going to sacrifice goals and say, hey, you know, we're going to miss out on something. It's just plain bullshit. Um, I do think he would have made a difference. At least he would have had a forwards movement and they wouldn't have been torn apart the way they would, again, in my opinion. What about you, Eddie? Put your manager hat on. Do you think he would have made something of a difference? I mean, he, he couldn't have hurt the situation, I don't think. I mean, Gareth Bale is a player with experience, uh, a, a player who can get you a big goal. His career at Real Madrid was somehow some way more often than not, he finds you a big goal. And maybe, just maybe at 2-0, um, it, if you could have brought Gareth Bale on and he gets one back, it, it's game on. My ass would have started sweating. I would have stopped talking shit to my cousin. Love you, Eric, who's a big Real Madrid fan. David, you should have seen it. I was talking hella shit. Hella shit. Hence why I'm glad I'm not a La Liga fan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, I can only imagine. Um, let me let me touch on Aubameyang real quick. Um He's being labeled as having a resurgence, uh, scoring the goals and being up in, in what is the danger zone for Barcelona. Um, would you be confident to say that he's back? Okay. Um, thank you for bringing this up, David. Um, uh, look, Aubameyang is a good, very good striker when he's focused. So right now that he's focused, yes, he's back. My concern is, is, and nothing personal against the guy, but he has a history of at some point he gets disinterested and then his form just drops and it's really hard to get it back. So is he back? Yes, he is. I I, I can't lie. David, I, I have a counter question to your question. Okay. Um, uh, I saw this directly after El Clasico on on Twitter. Um, a lot of Premier League fanboys were saying, well, of course he's scoring. La Liga is easier than the Prem. Uh, do you agree with that statement? Mm, I mean, I guess it's all about perspective. Um in the Premier League, La Liga is seen easier in the sense of it's not as physical. So, of course, they're going to say it's easier. You're not getting beat up. But there are also players that feel like the Premier League is easier because of that. Because they're not, they don't care about the tactics as 
much as a La Liga side would because the physical side of it kind of takes control. So it's all about perspective, man. I mean, I do believe Aubameyang is in a good moment. Kind of how, like you said, if he stays concentrated, he's going to do well. If not, he's going to just revert back to, you know, so-so Aubameyang. And, and that that is a risk Barcelona took, and I'm sure they understood going in. Um, but I don't know. I, 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 I guess I don't know what to think about Aubameyang so far. Uh, look, he, he's looked great. His speed's there. His focus is there. His finishing has been good. His, his ability to pass to teammates is good. Um, uh, I really have to give him props. I think that um, Dembele's recent turnaround in form also can be attributed not just to Xavi showing confidence in him, but maybe linking up with an old teammate like Aubameyang and Aubameyang's being like, hey, like from afar, I've seen you doing this, this, and this. Trust me, you don't want to go down that route. You're potentially one of the best footballers in the world. Just focus on doing what you do and let the world see what you can become. And then, you know, if you want to move away and get a big money move, well, I mean, right now is the best time to show it. Who, by the way, Dembele had another good assist. Uh, he assisted Aubameyang on his goal. Fernand, uh, Fernand Torres, I'm glad he found the back of the net. Especially since when he got his goal, he had just missed one. Uh, so That's right. Good, good for him. Araujo, I'm hearing talks about other teams wanting him. And I'm like, no, bro, like, you got to stay. So, uh, David, was it selfish of me that I wanted a fifth one? Nah, I think uh, it's normal as a fan, of course. You, you want to see your team do well, even if it means embarrassing the shit out of your rival. No, not, not even that. We know that that's exactly what it means. Let's not play with each other. That's yeah. one of the best feelings of football right like when you can go to a rival and say not only just go to the rival but you went to the rival's home and just blew them out of the water uh you've earned the bragging rights take the bragging rights expose the bragging rights at least in what is my opinion yes sir um you know what else happened this weekend david to give me bragging rights uh, tell me more, tell me more. Did River put up a fight? So, uh, El Super Clásico uh, in Argentina, Boca Juniors versus River Plate. Um, look, David, I'm going to be completely 100% honest with you. Did I celebrate in front of my uh, cousin, who is not only a Real Madrid fan, but also a, a River Plate fan? No, because he left <laughs> after, after, uh, after Real Madrid um, lost 4 0. But if he was there, would I have celebrated in his face? Absolutely. But I, I will admit, David, that Lever were so much better on the day, at least attacking wise. It's not even funny. 
Um, they just made a mistake, which uh, Sebastian Villa, uh, who ended up taking the ball off of their right back and drawing the goalkeeper out and then just kind of scoring around him for the 1-0 and we hung on. But I I was so ready to talk even more shit, David. All the shit. All the shit in the world, but my cousin left. Um, but look, David played really, really good. They just made one mistake. Um, Boca capitalized. My goalkeeper, Agustin Rossi, probably had his best performance as a Boca player. I'm not even going to lie to you. Um, but, oh, um, and I said this to you, David, I'm going to put it on record. We were lucky to have 11 men at halftime because Advincula, who at least used to play for Peru, I think he may be retired from international duty. He got one yellow uh, in the first half and he very clearly deserved a second, but props to the referee. He knew that sending a player off in the game of games, uh, especially for that part of the world, um, uh, probably would have ruined it. And uh, my my manager, uh, Sebastian Bataglia, very, very smartly got to halftime and told him in the locker room, you have to come off. If not, we're going to go down and send men. And they're already attacking the crap out of us. So I'm going to bring you off so you don't get a second yellow. So Boca won, Barca won. Great Sunday for me. Um, oh, and I, I just want to mention, because I was impressed by the score, Monaco beat the crap out of PSG 3-0. David, are PSG basically sleepwalking for the... The rest of the rest of the season? I will say yes. I think they're in the midst of a very well-hidden crisis. Um, them being able to walk to the league kind of helps damper that feeling. But behind the scenes, we know it's chaos. Um, Pochettino with the foot out the door. Leonardo hating everybody and everybody hating Leonardo, as we kind of touched on previous episodes. Um I think Monaco destroying PSG prior to the international break did them no favors in terms of convincing Mbappe to stay. Uh, There was a video I saw where he basically, he was asked by Pogba, how has it been at your club? And his answer was, in a nutshell, um, I'm just tired. Like, it's exhausting. Um, So, you know, it's terrible, man. It's a terrible situation, at least for the players that we care about, like Mbappe. I do think they're sleepwalking and uh, I've said it before. I will say it again. This summer will be an unprecedented summer. Um, I do expect a revolution, not revolutionary. That's kind of dramatic, but definitely lots of changes. And don't be too surprised, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, David, um, I, I, I don't want to leave um, today's podcast without mentioning this, but a lot of reports came out this morning well, morning here in, in our time in California that um, that Eric Ten Hag had just interviewed for the manager position at Old Trafford. Uh, would you be upset if it was Ten Hag and not 
Pochettino? So I would not be upset. Um, I do think it's a step in the positive direction. Here's my concern is Manchester United is a major quote unquote elite club. Why is it taking this long to solidify our management appointment? Um, as much as I like the candidates, I'm concerned with how long it's taking and how the behind the scenes issues will set up any good manager up for failure. But I guess that's a bridge we'll follow once we know if and when we have a manager. <laughs> well, David, to, to be fair, all the candidates uh, seem to maybe, or not seem to, but do have jobs right now at this time. Ten Hag at um, Ajax Amsterdam, uh, Pochettino at PSG. Um, so maybe... Uh, Manchester United aren't announcing because they don't want to upset other teams by saying, hey, your manager is our manager now uh, as soon as May is over. <laughs> you know what I mean? It could be just that. Uh, I mean, it could be, but it's also not to say they, you just pick up the phone, right? And then now it's more discreet than taking planes to other countries to interview um Fair. i mean there, there's there's definitely ways to do this i mean it's like when pep guardiola was on you know on a what's it called when he was out on not on leave uh he took a sabbatical right yeah. it's not like nobody contacted him you know there might there might not have been news every week but we know for sure there were people trying to get him back uh, same thing with this. We know players get tapped up. It's not a secret. Um, I just wish Manchester United were efficient. True. And David, what about this rumor that Ralph Raniak won't actually be that involved going forward, uh, at least um, after the new manager takes over, whoever that may be? You buying that or no? I'm somewhat buying it. Um, I'm buying the piece of because he gets to pick who it is or at least have majority say that it's very plausible. Um, but because of that, we know that by default, he has a say on the way things are going to get ran. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think... Uh, He's going to definitely be involved, but probably not, not directly in a way that they'll be able to say he undermined his manager. But I can't see him completely stepping away. Hey, David, what about plot twist? Uh, Ralph Raniuk names um, Sir Alex Ferguson the new manager, the new manager of Manchester United. What, that would be absolutely amazing. That, that would be great. Even if it is, like, let's just say Sir Alex Ferguson for one year. Uh, that one year will absolutely make a difference. I don't care what anybody says. Wow, David. So would you, I don't know if you'd agree, but... Um, I, I think that... Okay, let's just entertain this, right? Sir Alex Ferguson coming back. 
I think you need to give him at least three for him to be able to fully set up the club for someone else to win a championship. Oh, That's I agree. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's going to come in and we're going to win the trouble, but I'm saying Sir Alex Ferguson for a year is a step in the right direction versus getting another, for example, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. That's fair. Hey, David, what about Wayne Rooney for Manchester United? Um, I don't, I mean, he's making the steps in the right direction in terms of getting to the job, but I wouldn't want him to take the job quite yet. Get a little bit more under your belt. I feel you. I feel you. Um, I, I mean, as much as I love Wayne Rooney, this is definitely a personal take. It's because I love Wayne Rooney so much. I wouldn't want him to fail to the point where he'll never get a job again. So you don't want him to be Frank Lampard? I don't want him to be Frank Lampard, correct. David, um, do you have any closing thoughts for our people? Um, yes, I do. My uh, closing thoughts are, first of all, uh, thank you, everybody, for your shares and your likes we appreciate your interactions on our posts we see you guys uh definitely appreciate it make sure you send in suggestions anything you guys have got to say um major shout out to eddie who you know eddie runs our twitter account in case you're not keeping track at home he's definitely making it happen on twitter i'll jump on there every once in a while and i feel like you can tell when i jump on there because usually i'm just talking shit um if you want to follow (laughs) <laughs> that's right fuck you Puyo loco so um if you want to follow us on social media at pod from the spot is our twitter uh, i tend to run the instagram which is linked to our facebook so it's kind of a win-win um our instagram is at podcast from the spot uh, it just took us up on on uh, facebook really podcast from the spot from the spot podcast whatever combination works for you um you can always email in pod at uh, pod from the spot at gmail.com all that stuff is in the uh, episode description guys just follow the links keep it simple um share us with a friend that's our challenge for this week share us with a friend tag a friend in one of our posts you know let us make us aware that you guys are enjoying the show you want more shows to come out you like the banter and always send in the suggestions eddie what are your thoughts, my friend? Yes, please follow us, especially on Twitter, because tomorrow for the big game, Mexico versus Estados Unidos or Mexico versus USMNT, if uh, you're not bilingual, um, I will be live tweeting the fuck out of that game. I will be running polls, giving you my thoughts. Uh and basically, if you want uh, my opinion of the game during the game, follow us on Twitter. I will be talking about it um, during the halftime. I'd love to hear from you guys. That's at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Uh, if you guys don't know uh, when to tune in for that, those are the times. Uh, I watch those games in Spanish. So it's going to be on Univision. I would not know where to find it in English. I think it might be 
on Paramount Plus, which sucks. But yeah, definitely follow us on on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Email us. We love you guys, and we love that you guys love to listen to us. We do this shit because we love it, and we would love to know that you guys love it too. Uh, Other than that, Xavier and I will be back next week to recap the international break and preview um, our leagues, which are the Premier League and La Liga and etc. Visca Barça, Dale Boca, uh, Real Madrid, and Liver suck a fat dick because you lost. And I hate you till the day I die, probably in the afterlife too. Thank you. Have a good night. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, please remember FTS is down with LVG. Yeah, you know me.